DJ and PK, time now to talk NBA basketball and jazz basketball with Sarah Todd from the Deseret News. Sarah joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Sarah, good morning. Good morning. How's it going? It is going well. How's it going for you? It's great. It's, um, we're really close to actually having NBA basketball back, which is, it sounds crazy. I feel like that was never actually going to happen, so it's good. It's close. I still feel like something could go wrong and mess it up, but it is getting close. And the team's now in Florida, so, so that is a step forward. How, uh, how excited do you think the guys are and how uh, reticent do you think they are? How worried do you think they're not focused on the basketball because all the other stuff uh, is so overwhelming? What do you think the mix is there? Probably today they're probably feeling more of the reticence and a little bit of you know tempered expectations because the first two days that they're down there, they have to be quarantined and isolated completely to their rooms and they're not allowed to leave because they have to have... Uh, they had to return two negative COVID-19 tests before training camps and practices can really begin. And so right now, that when they are not allowed to like go outside and do anything, they have to stay in their hotel rooms, it's probably feeling like really alone and really isolating and like, oh, this is much different than anything that we've ever done before. Uh, I think once they actually get on the court and they're allowed to be around each other, they can finally play five-on-five basketball, which they haven't been able to do since March. I think that's when they're going to start feeling really excited. And these guys really miss basketball. So I think that that'll take over any reticence that they have. I know the NBA has some in-house people that are going to do some media. But what is being allowed for folks like you who are not being paid by the NBA as far as coverage? So they're going to have uh, a couple different uh, groups that they have down there. The first group, which... Uh, it's really expensive, and you have to commit to being there for the entire time. Um, is going to be like a really small group of like ten journalists or reporters that are going to be inside the bubble with the players. They'll be tested every day. They'll um, get the same you know meal service that the players are getting. They have to follow all the same rules, um, but they still won't be able to. Uh, do a ton of like one-on-one interviews. A lot of what's going to happen is going to be done via video and um, uh, by Zoom, which has become a part of all of our lives and will be forever, I'm sure now. Um, so that's going to be like the in-bubble journalist. Like I said, there's going to be like 10 of those. I don't know who they are, and I don't know what it's going to be like. And then there's going to be a second group who you'll stay in your own hotel and have your own accommodations and you won't be tested daily. Um, but you'll still be able to go to the arenas and be present for the games. Um, and I think that that's the group that there's quite a few journalists that are actually going to be able to be there. I think that's the one that I'll probably be in, um, and be there for the first couple of games come July 30th. So a lot has been made. I guess any tidbit of information you get is, uh, you know, is something. And a lot has been made of the pictures of the food the players sent out on day one. And I like food, and people like to make fun of me for liking food. But I do think that there is something legitimate to when you're locked in your room. You know, it's something, and it can really change your mood. 
How much do you think it's dragging guys down, and how much is it just something to pass the time and tweet out photos about that? I mean, I think it's just something to pass the time, and I think they're having a lot of fun just joking around about the idea that they're, you know, that they're jailed up in their rooms and they're not allowed to leave. And, you know, once they're allowed to get out of the room, I mean, right now they're just having those meals that are delivered to them and provided to them. And to me, it looks like a fine meal. It looks like something that you would get on a, on a flight, which, I mean, for me, I don't have like a ton of like millions of dollars. And so like anytime you give me a free meal, I'm very happy about it. So (laughs) that, that looks great to me. Um, but these guys are going to be able to have, you know, tons of different food options, and they're going to have different chefs that are there in the bubble with them. And so it's not going to be like that all the time. That's what they're having with the first couple of days. And those meals will be available to them throughout the whole thing. But they're, they're going to have tons of food, and it's going to be a lot better than any of the food that you or I are eating. <laughs> That's probably true. So there's many different ways to go and approach uh, my questioning for you with the Gobert Mitchell, particularly with this latest story that ESPN has done. But I'm going to allow you to go whichever direction you want as far as your response and what your thoughts are. I uh, I think that the ESPN story that came out kind of just reaffirmed what I would have thought before it came out. Uh, you know, these are two guys that are really valuable on one team. And I think that in any work environment, even if it wasn't, you know, a professional sport team, that there's going to be tensions and arguments and nothing's ever perfect. And these are things that both Donovan and Rudy have said. And I think it's a little crazy for anyone to expect for them to be like, BFFs and besties and have like rainbows and puppies shooting out of their eyes all the time. Like that's just not how life works. And the fact, I think that Rudy came across as really self-aware in saying that like, Hey, I know that the spotlight's going to be on him more. I know who I am and how I get on guys and how I can grate at their, their uh, frustrations and annoyances and make it worse. And I know that I can be like that. And so I think that that self-awareness can only help any relationship between them. And a lot of this situation was probably really overblown because of the situation that the whole world is in. So you've got no basketball, nothing else to talk about. So you hear about a fight between two players, and that's going to be the thing that everybody latches on to. I think that really, like, once basketball is back, this is going to be kind of a blip on the radar. Do you think their relationship really gets uh, altered for better or worse going forward by what kind of results they get in Florida and how long this lasts and whether they go out in four in the first round or whether they find a way to win a series and play well in the second one? Hey, man, winning fixes everything. I mean, that's for all of us. A win in life can make all of your troubles go away for a certain amount of time. So, um, you know, even if there are problem problems that are a little bit bigger or like haven't been resolved right now if they start winning and they look great then that's going to make things feel a lot better if they go down there and they lay a bunch of goose eggs in a row and rudy's feeling like he's not getting the ball and you know donovan feels like rudy's not like setting screens hard enough or anything like that then 
and they're losing and they're losing to teams that they think that they should beat, that's not going to help anything. But that wouldn't help anything even if there wasn't this fight that we know about between them. And so winning fixes everything. Yeah, it sure does. You know, I think that aside from the corona issues and all that stuff, they were going to have to make a decision on what to do with Gobert because that's a huge amount of investment financially that he's due next summer. And I do think that if they had to choose, they don't necessarily have to, but if they did between the two, I think they're going with Mitchell. Uh, What do you think needs to happen with Gobert as far as his game for the Jazz to say, absolutely, we're going to give you the max next summer? I think to just see him committing to progressing. And so if he, because we saw this season a little bit of a regression and um, that there were moments when he did seem a little bit selfish at times, or there were moments there that he was taking plays off. And so if they can see that there's more of a commitment there, I think that's just going to help their resolve and their want to kind of give him a really big paycheck. Uh, I think that they're going to want to do it anyways. I don't think that there's a ton that could happen that would make them want to get rid of Rudy or to go in the other direction. It would be really nice, I think, for them if they could get kind of a hometown discount with him and not have to go the full percentage of the Supermax, but um, kind of go a little bit smaller than that. And I mean, we're still talking about a ton of money. Even if the cap number goes down, like we're still talking about, you know, 25, 30% of the entire cap. And I think they would give him that money. I think that they're willing to commit 50% of their cap to both of those players and build around them because they are so good. Sarah Todd joining us. She covers the Utah Jazz and the NBA for the Deseret News. You know, winning is a great deodorant. Totally agree with that. But I'm curious, and this isn't just for jazz management, although they're the team, you know, we watch here, so it's for them. But it's for all the all the managed management around the league. I wonder how real these wins and losses are gonna be. You're not you're not battling travel, you're not you don't have the home court, the the visiting crowd going nuts or you know, buoyed by the home court and are some teams, when they feel like they're going to be eliminated, going to, you know, kind of, you know, fold the cards and throw them in and allow themselves to get smoked where normally they might fight back? And so how much, if you're evaluating stuff, can you really evaluate these NBA games the way you would all the other NBA games we've watched up until now? Well, I mean, I feel like that's the kind of stuff that happens in the course of a normal season or right in, heading right into the playoffs when everything is normal, like everything except for, you know, it being an empty arena, which is incredibly weird, but that's just another variable that I think that these guys should take and look at it as like, Hey, we've got to overcome this. This is really weird. This is like nothing like this has ever happened. We've got guys that are sitting on a second bench behind our rotation guys and they're wearing masks and, you know, there's people in the arena that are wearing that. Like it's going to feel really strange. And I think that that's, all something to overcome. In the course of a normal season, you've got guys that are injured or there's distractions during the playoffs, stories are being told. Like There's always stuff to make you feel weird and things that you have to overcome. And the fact that there probably are going to be teams that are you know, either eliminated or essentially eliminated from playoff contention within the first few games, especially in the Western Conference with a few teams down way at the bottom, I mean, 
you've got teams that that happens to at the end of the season too, and they start to throw in the towel and play their reserves more often and rest their veteran guys. And you've got teams that start resting their guys even when they've locked up playoff spots uh, and they're getting ready for the playoffs. So that's stuff that you see in the normal course of a season, and you'll probably see it through the first eight games down there. I don't think that's going to be any different. I think that, you know, considering what all of these guys have had to go through and what they'll have to go through to actually get to a championship, I think that it's going to mean a lot to them. So with Bogdanovich out, I think it's going to be a team effort, obviously, to try to replace him. But I think that the heaviest responsibility is going to be on Conley, and he's had an up-and-down season. Do you think he's prepared or ready, or what do you expect to see from him? He better be, because <laughs> yeah. it's about to happen. And, uh, yeah, there's going to be – I think there's going to be a lot of expectations on him, uh, especially considering that – you know, he's had this time off and the kind of the excuse that, you know, he was coming off injury or he hadn't had enough time to really gel with the team. I think that those are kind of gone now and there's not anywhere else that they can go. And like, there's not going to be people around and Bogdanovich, who was the other guy that was new to the team, who seemed to gel with the team really immediately and didn't have a lot of the struggles that Mike had he's he's gone now too and so a lot of the focus is going to be on him but it's also going to allow him to do a little bit more of uh playmaking and scoring that he was used to in memphis that he didn't have to do here in utah especially with bogdanovich on the floor and so hopefully he can kind of return to who he was back in memphis and he'll be able to do it he sounds really confident with the work that he did and how he's come along during the shutdown um but sounding confident and putting it into practice are two different things. So I think you're right. There's going to be a lot of eyes on him right now. So assuming Conley comes out and plays great, and let's assume that he, you know, 20 points a game and kind of replaces what Bogdanovich was giving him. Well, the fact is he was given about 15 points a game. Who replaces what he was doing? Who steps up? Who else are you looking at? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's going to be totally by committee. You're going to be looking, you know, for Rudy to be a little bit more aggressive in the post. You're going to be looking at Donovan to do a little bit more and play, make and create space for himself. And you'll be looking at kind of those rotation guys too. You're going to have to have, you know, you've got Joe and he's going to have to really be a little bit more aggressive. He's one of the guys that, you know, everybody knows like that he passes up shots and that he can definitely be more offensively aggressive. And when you lose a guy that shoots 40% from three and, He's a 20-point-a-night guy in Bojan. Ingles is going to have to take some of those shots. And then guys like uh, Jordan Clarkson and George Nying coming off the bench, you know, they're going to be given a little bit of an uptick in minutes too, and they're going to have to be aggressive. And, you know, George and Joe, they're going to have to use their size on defense and really commit to those things so that they don't have lapses on the other end. So it's, it's really going to be by committee but you have to have guys that are willing to be more aggressive. Well, Sarah, a couple more weeks of writing stories that don't involve games, but, you know, about three weeks or so, it'll all be back to the new normal, (laughs) whatever that is. (laughs) Whatever that looks like. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, writing from isolation and watching games on TV. Sarah Todd, she covers the Utah Jazz and the NBA for the D News. Sarah, thanks a lot. No problem. Have a good rest of your day. All right. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show coming up next. Stay with us. 
basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz joining a number of other teams who've traveled to Florida and entered the NBA's bubble environment in Orlando. Brooklyn Nets forward Tarian Prince became the latest player to test positive for COVID-19. He will not play in the restart. Prince is the fourth Nets player who will not participate, joining DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Wilson Chandler. And, of course, the Nets also have lost Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They're out due to injury rehab. Denver Nuggets center Nikola Jokic retested negative for the coronavirus in Serbia, but travel issues and the timing precluded him from joining the Nuggets in their flight from Denver to Orlando. He's expected to travel separately and join the team in Florida. This back-to-basketball update is presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. That's the former BYU Cougar, the Kansas City Chiefs head coach, Andy Reid. Coaching into his 70s. These are the good old days, PK. Five straight double-digit win seasons. Back-to-back trips to the AFC title game. A Super Bowl championship. And Mahomes is 24, and he's signed for a decade. Let the good times roll. Andy Reid's not going to sound happier than that, is he? Well, I see no reason why he's in coaching to his 80s. Why stop at 70s? <laughs> Just go all the way. You know, it's funny because Andy Reid has been a winner big time as a head coach in Philadelphia, and the, the job that he did in Kansas City, I mean, they were literally, the, before he got there, having a player kill himself in the team in the parking lot of the stadium. And so it seems like they were a mess, and now they've turned it around almost overnight. And But yet, because he won one game, the last game of the season, now he's exalted. It's really hard for me to understand how that is when I think there's merit in winning a ton, particularly in the NFL, a ton of regular season games when every game is just about every game. Maybe you get one at the end where you've clinched and whatnot. But most of them, you know, they just take on such premium level of importance because there's not that many of them. And he has been an outstanding coach for so many years. Now because he won one game, he is exalted truly doesn't make sense to me because I always thought his track record was something that spoke for itself, which was just excellent. So as far as him winning that Super Bowl or the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, I think I was happiest for him because all of a sudden now he's recognized as a phenomenal coach when that's what it's been all along. Yes, and I think there was that level of recognition. I mean, certainly there's another level when you win the last game you win the Super Bowl. You know, that does take you to another level. But when Philly lets him go after he, you know, 8 and 8 and 4 and 12 and you know, he he was in Philly for was in Philly for 14 years, I think. And that was the first time they've gone back-to-back seasons missing the playoffs. 
They'd only missed the playoffs like five times. So they were in it two years out of three. They finally have back-to-back missed the playoffs. They let him go. But when the plane lands and the whole league knows Andy's out in Philly, there's multiple planes on the tarmac. Multiple people have said jets, even though he only get on one of them. Multiple people have said private jets to get him. So I think that just goes to tell you there's a lot of money at stake in the NFL, and you can make a lot of money if you have a playoff team. Because mostly you're selling hope. You know, it's not like there's only the team that wins the championship makes money and the other 31 don't. That, that's not how it works. You know, if you're if you're 10 wins, if you're in the postseason, there's hope and ticket holders line up and people buy luxury suites and buy sponsorship and signage and all that stuff, buy jerseys and owners make money. And there's a reason those planes were on the tarmac. A lot of people around the league thought Andy was pretty good. But there's no doubt you get an extra boost out of winning the last game and and being the Super Bowl champ. And I think right now, if you surveyed people, more people would pick them to win another title than not. You know, we learned from Dan Marino's career, just because you get there once doesn't mean you get back. And we've learned from Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. They're great quarterbacks, but just because you win one doesn't mean you win two. So... There's a lot of doubt out there, but I don't think people are feeling the doubt with the Chiefs now. And, and you know, the, the herd can be wrong. The majority can be wrong. But I think the majority right now are thinking the Chiefs are going to get another one, whether it's 2020 or 2021 or 2022. Who knows? But, man, Mahomes at this point in his career, it's hard to believe he doesn't get another one. And I think it's largely because of him why people think that. Because of Mahomes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's 24 years old. I think you're right. He's, he, he's going to get better. We stand a reason. He may not have a better statistical season, but he should be a better quarterback. Better in the clutch, better in big moments. And that's yeah, frequently what it better. comes down to in the playoffs is you know, <laughs> one, one big throw can be the difference between winning and losing. We all remember Roethlisberger threading the needle to beat the Cardinals, right? One big throw can mean so much. All right, we talked a little. Uh, we talked a little NFL. We talked a little college football too. And actually, just in the break, I was looking at Twitter, and there's multiple quotes from Harbaugh, which basically say, paraphrasing, "Let's play, dang it!" Uh, you know, football didn't cause the coronavirus, and we're going to have to learn to live with the coronavirus. So let's figure out a way to play football. But at the same time, you've talked to people, and you no definitive decisions, but you just feel like like watching the tide come in. Doubt is growing about a, a September start. Well, I think that doubt's growing as far as the traditional season as scheduled, which means in terms of the Pac-12, the nine conference games and the three non-conference. Now, the Mountain West is 8-4, and four, are they not? Uh, and then obviously BYU is 0-12. and 12. Uh, So how is that going to play out? I'm starting to think that they would go along the lines of having conferences take care of themselves mm-hmm. and so they that's all they would play and for BYU they'd have to play independence I guess and figure out what they can do there but that the Pac-12 then just plays its uh, conference so do you think so, that's a nine game so, schedule or 11 well that's an interesting question yeah I think they would try to get 11 but if they have some stops and starts maybe they reduce it and because it's it's to me if you're just dealing with the 12, we'll just use the Pac-12 since it's our conference here locally. If you need to make changes, it's much easier to be dealing with the 12 that deal with each other all the time mm-hmm. and then the commissioner. And so you have it completely in-house, Yeah. right? So whatever it might be, 
it's much easier to deal with if you go 9, if you go 10, if you go 11. Uh, and if you have to move, a, say, um, SC was scheduled to come to Utah, uh, this is just an example. And But for whatever reason, that the Utes would have to go down there. Now, would obviously probably be the other way around. So let's go uh, the UC Los Angeles. They played in Salt Lake this past season. Well, if they needed to uh, continue to play in Salt Lake again because of the situation in L.A., if it's a conference deal, well, it's much easier to accomplish that. So that's why I'm thinking that they look at the conferences just you're on your own. You guys do what you do. You got your 12 presidents, your ADs, your conference commissioner, and you handle it as you see fit. And if you need, for whatever reason, need to take off for two weeks, we can adjust. It's The adjustments, in my mind, seem to be much easier if it's just done in-house with the conference. And I get all that. I think that's all true. Uh, these games are worth so much money, and they're worth so much money on the TV contracts that I do wonder – if teams will try to squeeze in one or sure. two games that aren't conference. And I mean, I thought about this since earlier this morning. Earlier this morning, I was thinking, obviously here, you're thinking of the Utah-BYU game, right? And travel is such a complicated part of the equation of this that if you got two teams that can bust and play each other, and I started thinking of all the other big games around the country, obviously the SEC and the ACC. You know, Kentucky and Louisville are 90 minutes away. It's a big game, and, and I'm sure ESPN or Fox would love to put that thing on TV, just like South Carolina-Clemson. I mean, Clemson and Alabama are now the programs, right? So why not play that game if it's just a bus trip? Can you find a date and squeeze in one non-conference game? Uh, I wonder. But I, I do get the logic of if you're going to move the season two or three months or if you're going to stop and start, we're going to play a game here. It's you know We can't play a game now. Hey, we got to work with these schools. Arizona's the hot spot, right? So I think within the league, it's way easier to say to the other 10 schools, hey, we really got to work with these guys and figure out a way to help them out. Um, you know, financially, their athletic departments need these games. We can't play them now. We gotta, we gotta find out when we can play them. So I get the point when you're working on something like that. It's way easier to do it inside the conference. I, from the BYU perspective, I still have a hard time believing if there's a bus trip and a game that can be played, it won't be played. These athletic departments need the money, you know. And I'm curious now. The thing that I've just started wondering about in the last couple of commercial breaks. You know, a USC Notre Dame game is a big deal, and there's a long term relationship there. Will they, you know, that's the thing about conferences and why they can work together. There are long term relationships. It's easier to say, hey, you got to take a hit here in the short run. It's for the best in the long run because you have a long term relationship. I wonder if USC and Notre Dame will try to find a way to play that game no matter what. There's a lot of tradition. There's a long-term relationship there. Maybe not. Well, Maybe yeah, just if they can, but if they, yeah. if they can't, then it's just it's a one-year absence. I don't right. think that budgets are going to be maximized as they or revenue is going to be maximized this year as it is always. Right. Usually, as it is every year. No, it so won't be that. So you're going to try if, if you can get eighty percent, you'll take eighty percent. You know, whatever whatever you can get, you'll take. Right. Well, I think the thing for uh, BYU to look at if this goes forward is uh, stick close to Notre Dame and to a larger degree the ACC and to uh, ESPN because they're going to want product. And obviously, if all the conferences get really insular and start booking themselves, but I can't believe the ACC is going to walk away from those five Notre Dame games. They'll, they'll find a way to make those work if they can. And in the weeks that Notre Dame's playing an ACC team, some ACC team needs a game. And maybe maybe there'll just be a lot of buys and it'll take you know 20 weeks to play 11 or 12 games. 
Uh, but ESPN's going to need product. So if it comes to this, uh, BYU's just got to stick close. Maybe, maybe this is how BYU gets Notre Dame to visit, right? Maybe this will be the year. They own that yeah, game. Yeah, I don't see it. No? I don't see it. No. There's travel involved. That would be a problem, possibly. I don't think, uh, I don't think Notre Dame in a, vi- a virus situation is coming to Provo. What benefit did they have for that? DJ and PK, anything else you want to hit? Stuff we talked about? Well, we talked about Rudy and uh, Donovan this morning. And why did the Jazz write the article? Do you think it was a case of the cat was largely out of the bag, so they might as well get their spin on it? Let Rudy go out there and be uh, a, a little deferential, a little self-aware. Well, I think Rudy chose to speak on his own. That was just him deciding that he wanted to get his message out there. Now, maybe he had encouragement or advice and counsel, but he seems to be more willing to talk because it seems like he feels he needs to make good. Mitchell doesn't feel like he needs to make good on anything. Right. So he doesn't have to talk. There's no reason for him to talk. He said what he said, and he really, what difference is he going to say now? What is going to be different in his talk, any message that he makes that isn't already have has hasn't already been said. Res Gobert feels the need to explain himself more. Mitchell doesn't. All true, all true. The team's in the bubble now, and so uh, away we go. It is. Let's see. We got uh, what three weeks from tomorrow is the Jazz first game. And they'll have three scrimmages. And we've read reports they're trying to figure out about televising scrimmages. Don't know if that's going to happen or not. But uh, maybe they'll be streamed or something. If you're craving NBA basketball, something is better than nothing. So, uh, all right. DJ PK, that's a lot of what we have been talking about today. And the other thing that we have been talking about today is the fact that irregardless is now officially a word. Some people are celebrating with you, PK. Some people just can't find it in their hearts. Well, those who are identify as losers. <laughs> Don't sugarcoat it, man. Give it to us straight up. We can handle it. <laughs> losers. We all can't be winners. Because if we were all winners, then we wouldn't know we were winners. Yeah, in order to have winners, you have to have losers. Aha! There must be losing. That's why I don't go nuts on results of games. I'm way more interested in the actual competition rather than the result. And I know that's the point, is to win the game. But every game has a winner and a loser. Even soccer, which has ties, essentially has a winner and loser. Oh, there's definitely times you walk off the field after splitting the points and it feels yeah. like a win. And other times, well, it, it is like in a sense, it. it is a win. Right, yeah. Depending on what the situation is. Yep. All right, DJ PK, when we come back... Your feedback, what you think about the word irregardless, because that seems to be the thing everybody is tweeting about today. And I got to tell you, there is something that isn't, doesn't have to do with that. And we are asked a question here, and I think the answer is no, but I wish the answer were yes. It's an excellent question. It's an excellent thought from a listener. We will get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. The television voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowler-Jack. Did you read Tim McMahon's piece about yes. the relationship between Rudy and Donovan? They're both incredibly talented young players trying to coexist, which a lot of combos don't. They break up. And I don't know where this one's going, but at least the discussion's been made. And they're going to be in a bubble. There's not going to be a lot of area that they can escape one another. Maybe they talk this through even more. There's a lot of what-ifs right now. Obviously, 
obviously these games will play a real factor in how they do play and how they coexist together. We're going to get a lot of answers by the end of the month. Hopefully they figured it out. If not, then something else will have to be done in the short term. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Time for the feedback. DJ and PK brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Jace tweeting at us this Thursday. Do we get the Renee Ingalls show? While Joe is in the bubble, it'd be cool to hear her perspective of things. Well, Joe's in the bubble, but I think he can sit in the room and use his phone. As a matter of fact, we might get two segments with, with Joe instead of one. Has he got anything else to do? He's got to take care of the coffee machine. That's his baby. And he's talked about it in multiple, uh, multiple settings. Getting that thing to, uh, to Florida with him has been, has been uh, job one, clearly. Renee's got to have stories, right? Oh, she's got a million of them, let me tell you. I got one, too. Will she say Joe and the kids? <laughs> I Probably. I mean, obviously, they're from the same area, so they probably have the same accent, of course. I mean, I've heard her talk, but I haven't heard her say that phrase. But my guess is that, yeah, that would be very close to the way Joe says it. All right, Renee. Renee is uh, tagged in this tweet, so Renee has got to have uh, full access. If Renee ever calls you, I'll put her right through, okay? You think I'm going to delay that? Come on. I don't think so, but I just want to be clear. Okay. Good to know. Put it right through. We'll, we'll drop whatever we're doing. We can talk about the Utes, the Cougars, and the Jazz, and irregardless later. I'd love to talk to Renai. <laughs> All right. We've got a lot of feedback. Irregardless is officially a word. What kind of victory lap are you taking? Uh, I have a small mini American flag, and I'm going around the track. <laughs> Steven says, the first time I heard PK use this word, I looked it up. It's been in the dictionary at least since the first time I heard him use it. I've never understood all the blowback, but I guess it's me and people want to argue with me. That's true. Oh, you foolish ones. What I want to do? You know what I want to do? Strut. Strut, PK. Victory is yours. Yeah, but see, I'm like the guy who scores a touchdown and just casually flips the ball to the. Oh, nice. I've been there, man. <laughs> you don't need to. When you when you live it all every day, there's nothing special about it. It's who you are. It's what you are. It's why you are. Your favorite journalistic strut, I would say, and there's some nominees, you know, staying up all night to find out if Kyle Whittingham was going to take the Utah job or the BYU job. That would be up there. One of your early ones that is not uh, enjoyed by many people, but not just that John Stockton was going to retire, but that he was going to retire in the locker room during the clean out the lockers thing. He wasn't going to have a press conference. That was an excellent call by you. But I think your all-time favorite has to be basically everybody in the media in Utah showing up at a BYU practice to see if a certain group of players was going to show up for practice or not if they weren't on the roster and weren't on the team, even though the school wasn't announced anything. My guess is that would be your favorite. Yeah, I reported it like four to six weeks earlier that four players had been kicked off the team and BYU wouldn't confirm it. And they were told, we'll just show up on the first day of spring ball. And so there was news reporters there that day. 
and looking to see if those four players were going to be on the roster. Now, I certainly have known, I had known that they weren't, if for no other reason that the BYUSID, obviously, in sports information, I was dealing directly with that person, and I told him I've got the names, and he didn't, he couldn't confirm it, but certainly off to the side, he would have said, don't print it, hmm. uh, because he would have known, and I mean, that's part of their jobs. And I'm speaking of a man named Jeff Reynolds, who was as fine at this idea as anybody I've ever been around. So, yeah, everybody six weeks later did show up. And, of course, those four players were not on the team. And one of the parents of the players actually came down to the Tribune offices with lawyers threatening to sue. And the paper called me. What are we going to do? And we're going to say, well, thanks for driving down, but we'll see you later. Because <laughs> 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 we're standing by it because truth is the ultimate defense in any form of uh, lawsuits against a newspaper. And it was true. Yeah, it was definitely true. Gordon helped me with that when I got the names and we, we tried to confirm it with as many people as we could. And I did print it. I remember I printed it. It was on my mother's birthday. It ran February 21st. And I had it written and I had the story done by about 7 o'clock. And the deadline in order to get it in the next day's paper was 1030. And I sent it right at 1030. I looked at that screen for three and a half hours. <laughs> and <laughs> Can't get that wrong. Gotta be no, able to you def- could not. Got to be able to defend every <laughs> sentence in this because if uh, 99 sentences are right and one is wrong, nobody's going to be talking about the 99 that are right. Absolutely. So that's an excellent call by you because that was a little bit of a nerve-wracking time, but I was sure about that, and uh, it turned out to be true, obviously. Yep. All right, anything else you want to hit on our way out the door here? We got a lot of people who are just, yeah. you know, just going at you over uh, irregardless. Although there's some people rallying to you also. Anything is possible. Well, I, I, I do have a few fans. You remember the golf uh, an, uh, analyst, Ken Venturi? Yeah, of course. He died a couple years back, I think. Uh, I don't probably about five, six years ago or something. Well, I was reading a little thing. I get uh, Golf Digest, uh-huh. and Jim Nance was doing a little profile on Ken Venturi. Worked with him for years and years. Yes, he did. Well, you know what's, what's so funny? His parents, Ken Venturi's parents, Ken Venturi was adopted. He was the only child they adopted, and the only child they had, or raised, I should say. And his parents, his adopted parents, who were his parents, they were named Fred and Ethel. No way. <laughs> Straight out of I Love Lucy. The number of Ethels I know. Is there a more old time name than Ethel? I mean, I'd have to go ask my daughter, but I'm, and she's going into her senior year of high school here in a few weeks, but I am 100%, I, I got to be 100% certain she has never had an Ethel in any of her classes and any of her schools. Well, my wife has taught 30 years, and I'm sure that she has. She's never had an that. Ethel? That is the but oldest of all time. Fred and Ethel. Can you match that? No. No, I have a, uh, my, uh, my best man at my wedding was my brother-in-law, and his parents' name were Warren and Hilda. And my friend Wayne, his parents were named Warren and Hilda. The only thing I've so, got, got like that is uh, uh, going to church on Sunday, there are two couples and the, the guy, in both cases, the guy is named Dave and the woman named Wanda. And sadly, one of the, one of the ladies named Wanda passed away a couple of years ago. But for years to have, you know, that, that's, a, that's a pretty small circle to have. I mean, if you went to, if you went to an evangelical uh, mega church and there were 5,000 people there, I still don't think you'd have two couples named Dave and Wanda. 
But if well, you just go somewhere not, yeah. where there's a couple hundred people, give or take, Dave and Wanda, that, that's highly unusual. That would be the most unusual name combo I can I can come up with. My best friend in high school, his parents were named Jack and Norma, which were the parents of the Wonder Years, yes. Jack and Norma. Yes. And then you have Frank and Barbara Layden, and you had Frank and Barbara Sinatra. <laughs> I don't feel like Frank and Barbara is that far out there. Probably not. No, yeah. it's more the Jack and Norma, you know, neighborhood. It's still unusual to have the exact, you know, combo duo, duo combo, whatever. But uh, Fred and Ethel were the names of there. Ken Venturi's yeah. parents. Yeah. By the way, if you're well, looking for something be, to binge watch be before a topic. Start, yeah, if you're looking for something to binge watch before, uh, you know, sports restarts. Big thumbs up. Big recommendation for the Wonder Years. I've seen them all. That was, that was a very good series. And my wife, we used to that used to be one of our shows, uh, and, and she'd watch it, and we both loved it. So that's a good one right there. Oh, yes. Wonder Years on Wednesday night, L.A. Law on Thursday night. There it is. The old viewing <laughs> schedule. I really didn't remember Wednesday night. I didn't know that. I do remember uh, I LA. remembered it. LA Wednesday Law on Thursday. Night, and then Thursday night, we were living in L.A. at the time. Had no kids. Thought, oh, my gosh, we want kids. They're just going to make our life so happy. Well, yeah, man. Nevertheless, I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> hey, PK, there's a story you got to read in The Athletic. I think it's the stadium that your dad went to. You talk about how your dad used to go to Negro League games uh, in the neighborhood not far away. And there's a story about a Negro League stadium in Patterson, New Jersey. That's got to be the stadium, right? It's all about this uh, years-long effort to save this 88-year-old stadium and everything it's gone through. It's a classic old stadium. And Negro League Baseball, just one chapter of what has been there uh, from high school football to New York Giants exhibition games to auto racing to track meets. Uh, it's, it's a classic old stadium. I love it. Which those. sport, New York Giants? Uh, I assume well, I'd have to go back and look. I I, I assumed uh, it was baseball, but maybe it wasn't. It could have been football, I guess. Well, I don't. Uh, I haven't seen the story. I'll check it out, but I hope they save the stadium. Well, it's coming right down to it if they're going to do it. It's been going on for years, uh, but it's great, and there's some great old photos there. Yeah. But isn't Patterson right next to Storage? Oh, yeah, yeah, East yeah, Orange? yeah. It's, it's yeah. right in the area. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah That's got to yeah. be the stadium your dad went to. So. I would imagine he would have been there because he was an Eagle League baseball fan. Yep. All right, DJ PK, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. We'll see you.